Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Now it's time to go a long way away. Go! Eight seventeen. He was known to ride a Honda. He was known to ride a, a ride a Yamaha, but Honda. He, he did okay. That's our very special guest, all the way from Andorra of places. Simon Crafer. Good evening to you, and welcome to Race Control here on SCNZ. Hello. It's actually morning here, so I'll, uh, that sounds weird. Good evening, but yeah, great. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for giving me a bell. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Simon, uh, Stephen McIver here, Greg Murphy, who you've been chatting to before. Uh, i got to ask this question. Go, from what, where you have started to now being in the thick of MotoGP, how good is life? <laughs> it is. You're right. Um, uh, there's some bumps on the road, though. I mean, I was, like I've said before, I think I've, I, I spoke to you guys a couple of years ago, and when I first got this job, I thought, uh, it would be easy, you know. I already know the paddock. I know the sport. I've ridden at that level. One at that level, I thought, how hard can it be? And um, I was saying to Greg Murphy yesterday how wrong I was. The, it was like any time you go and learn a new trade, the first couple of years are hard and full of mistakes, you know. You've got to make them all to learn from them and prepare, you know, f- to know what's coming, you know. And, and that's what it was like the first couple of years. It was horrible. I didn't enjoy it, honestly, but I was, I was just stubborn, like um, a trait Greg or Murph will say that races have. I was just stubborn and kept banging my head against the wall, trying to figure it out, trying to learn from mistakes. And honestly, third year, I, I really started to enjoy it. Fourth year, I'm loving it. Yes, you're right. It's a dream job. Um, and it, it comes across, mate, that uh, there is a very good supportive team around the paddock as well. The, the commentators are amazing to listen to. They, I, I think they probably are the best commentators in the business. And and obviously the the support from everybody that you work with is must be must be amazing. Um, the commentators, I totally agree with you. They're amazing. Steve Day, he um, used to race like at kind of club level, um, and then uh, got into it the commentary because his father runs a this club series and said look we're out we our commentator's sick you do it he turned out good and he kept <laughs> running with it ended up working for eurosport now but the other guy uh matt burt he's an amazing uh journalist you know lots of years experience he's like an encyclopedia so the two guys bouncing off each other are fantastic and really good for me 
to work with. I just kind of support them with the, the tech stuff and what I see going on from the writer's point of view. But um, when you say support otherwise, we're just left to it, really. We oh, just go right? and do what we want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh, well, so, what, what, so what, there's three of you, you get no sort of what I would call production support from the people you work for? Uh, not that I know of. Like, <laughs> we, <laughs> we, like, wow. like the, the, I think they, they get some, we get the odd thing in our ear like to say, oh, Lorenzo's here, you know, he's in the Yamaha garage. Uh, I was like, oh, great, you know, so I wandered down there and talked to him. But r- literally we're left to run with it. The guys in the box might get more than me. But that's it, really. And um, sometimes you scratch your head, but mostly I love it because um, who wants your boss constantly telling you what to do? Yeah. It's, it's great. Yeah, no, I, know? I, I hear that. I hear that. Look, we've got so much to talk about. So I, I've, you are blessed to be in, around some of the most talented athletes in the world. But for you, Gifted. the end of Rossi being on the grid, how does that impact you? Um, well, it, it, as you know, it's tapered off, you know, the Rossi um, mania because of his results, you know, and I don't mean anything negative by that. I, I actually am a Rossi fan. I love the guy personally um, and what he brings to our sport. Just, it's not, you know, when you're seeing a guy in 20th uh, doing his little routine before he gets on the bike, it's not as cool as it was when he was winning, you know? <laughs> you know, it's crouching down. and It's just how it is. The, the, I mean, life's not really fair in, <laughs> in sport. This species is damn cruel. Uh, yeah, it's cruel. So, I mean, I think he has achieved incredible stuff, like more than anyone in my lifetime anyway. Um, so the thing is, he's run on longer and being able to adapt to different classes, you know, 125, 250s, 500 all two strokes, then MotoGP, um, you know, it's through the different classes and uh, meaning going to 800 and then 1,001 and all of them, he's amazing. But uh, what I believe is at a certain age, you stop being able to adapt like, the, like young people can. You get stuck in a way of doing something and it's really hard to change yourself. I experienced that. You know, change tire brands after I'd figured out how to use one brand and go really good with it. I couldn't change me at 30, you know, and I believe that's what's happening now. Um, he, the young guys have been able to um, use motorcycle setups that get the most out of the tires, which is the most important thing. Uh, they can, the young guys can adapt themselves to use those setups and make them work. And Valentino can't. That's what I believe, you know, and. I just recognize it from, you know, another example is the two factory Ducati guys last year, Danilo Petrucci and um, the awesome Andrea uh, Davizioso. They, yeah, I mean, you you know how good they are. They changed the rear tire construction. They had to change bike setup to use that tire. They couldn't adapt, you know. And the two young guys, Jack Miller, Pico Banyaya, did. So, what do the factory have to do? They've got to put the young guys on there that can use the setup and material. And I think that's the same thing that's happening to to Valentino slowly, bit by bit. Yeah. I mean, he, he leaves such an amazing, just an incredible legacy that will never be forgotten. Yeah.
He's an absolute superstar, and, and he's obviously going to be spending a lot of time around the paddock with uh, with the race team that he's that he is um, involved in and going to be in, uh, involved in next year. That's very very exciting. What about uh, let's let's talk um, Mark Marquez? Uh, I'd love to get a bit of insight in, into into that man and and what he is, what he means, and just how he how he does what he does. Yeah. Sorry, we're having a little bit of interference there. I think I caught all of that, Mark Marquez. Yeah, you're right. We'll, yeah, carry we'll on, Simon. Yeah, carry on, Simon. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh well, where do I start? I mean, Mark is the scariest. I think the most dangerous. Meaning, when you look at him as an opponent, you know he he's scary. You know, like because he's he's so again so determined. So uh, I would go as far as saying ruthless. Um, and so skilled, you know, he's brought another level of riding ability to the sport, I believe. Like, well, I think everyone will agree with that, what he can do on a bike. And he's starting to be able to do again after his injury. Uh, yeah, uh, unreal. He doesn't always come across as the nicest fella, like for us journalists to interview. Because, again, he's kind of like McDoon was in his uh, peak, you know. he He's just, grits, you know, always kind of gritting his teeth even if he's not showing it you know he's like he's like they're pretty hard like um but you, you've got to respect it he's he's unreal and i think he's going to be a real danger well especially when honda sorted out you know like last year and this year their bikes haven't been i would say haven't been competitive really you know everyone else has made step forwards and again figured out how to use this new construction rear tyre, and Honda haven't, you know, and they are that little bit behind, and that means a lot when the grid is so competitive. So their riders have been struggling, but Mark and occasionally Pole have been doing something really special, you know, and I think when, when Honda sort it out, which I believe they will next year, next year's that um, the, the freeze comes off, development freeze, you know, during covid that they've had on engines. They've basically said, no one can change your engine except Aprilia because they have the... Yeah, so um, so when that freeze comes off, I believe Honda will make a good step forward because I think, I can't prove it, I, I don't know it 100%, but I think part of their problem, which is, you know, which is rear grip, entry, mid-turn, exit, I think part of their problem is engine. And so when they can change that, I think they'll make a good step forward. Oh, you don't have to tell us everything, but you can give us a little glimpse into it. Don't go anywhere, Simon. We're going to take a wee break and come back to you in Andorra. By the way, what's the tax rate like there? I hear it's pretty low. Um, What tax rate? <laughs> no, no. It's, it's, <laughs> good answer. 10, 10%. Yeah, oh, it's pretty good. That's yeah. terrible. Stay there. We're talking to Simon Crafer, uh, expat doing such such great things in the pit lane of MotoGP. This is Race Control on SCNZ. Stay with us back in a tick. We're talking to uh, MotoGP Pitland reporter, but actually a very accomplished rider in his own right, Simon Crafer, the expat who won the 1998 500cc British Grand Prix, which was the sort of precursor to being called uh, MotoGP. We've got a new champion, Simon, in Fabio uh, Quattararo, uh, El Diablo. How good is he, but how good can he be? Well, it's a good question. Um, he's always been super talented. You know, he's come through the smaller classes, uh, 
was kind of thought of as, as the next, you know, Valentino or Mark. Then he had a really rough time in Moto2, and these guys took a gamble on him kind of on his past, and, you know, his glimpses of brilliance, uh, meaning Patronus took a gamble on him, and they, wow, he's done, as you know, amazing things, but he had weaknesses in, in the early, you know, the first couple of years because he's so young, like he's only 22 now. So at 20, um, he'd, you know, throw the toys out of the pram when things weren't going right and lose focus a bit. Uh, also, Yamaha had a couple of problems uh, last year. The 2020 bike didn't give him the front feel he wanted, so he could ride at some times, not others. Then Yamaha sorted that out at the beginning of the year, but the other piece of the puzzle was Fabio sorting himself out, which I really didn't know if he could do or not. I was watching, in, you know, with interest. Um, and he, like, he's literally gone to a psychologist, you know, sports psychologist to help, you know, be more mentally strong, how to cope with, you know, pressure, problems, you know, work around them, work with the team. Um, and hats off to him. He has been fantastic. And not just from everyone's point of view. The impressive thing is the other Yamaha riders, you know, I listen to all the debriefs normally every night of every rider. Um, and the other Yamaha riders go on about what amazing things he's doing on the bike. You know, and when you get praise from other riders, he really is doing some special stuff. And if he's shown, I think, you know, he's shown that he can adapt himself and learn and you know improve himself i think yeah he's going to be around for a long time you, you mentioned uh before the break there about the the freeze coming off the development freeze coming off um and yeah. the likelihood of uh the likes of honda obviously all the all the factories doing what they need to do to keep that improvement going um yeah. has yamaha got got that that ability to provide him with what he needs yeah, they've really figured out the chassis. Just from my point of view, looking at it, now the, the steering head area on the frame, you know, where the, where the front forks bolt into, you know, steering head, it looks so similar now to the Ducati. So obviously, in the bits, I think they're the two strongest bikes at the moment. Um, and, you know, the interesting thing, the thing we won't know is how biggest step they make engine wise each manufacturer that's you know we won't know that till we'll kind of see it at Jerez test which is right after the last race at Valencia and then properly because I'll have the whole winter we'll see it at Qatar you know pre-season test for next year but the interesting thing is how much all of the manufacturers step forward each one but also Aprilia will Aprilia get left behind again you know because Aprilia have done an amazing job this year uh, like technically they've made the biggest step but also um, they were allowed to you know because they have the concessions you know if you haven't got a certain amount of podiums and wins you that manufacturer has help you know they're allowed to carry on developing to to close the gap and they did close the gap awesome job but will the rest step forward and leave them behind again or not you know um, I love listening to when you do uh, your updates on the bikes and, you know, the frame changes and, and which rider is, is on the new chassis or stuck with the other chassis and, and all that kind of stuff, which which must be, I mean, you've got to have an eye for that detail for sure, but 
but the, the amount that goes on week to week in that space and, you know, adding pieces of carbon fibre here and all that kind of stuff, I mean, does it, I mean, do you get, are you blown away by how much of that stuff goes on between race meetings? Yeah, like I would say, especially KTM, they, because they're based in Europe and they are really serious about winning, you know, they throw a lot at it, you know, where it's, I've got to be fair to the Japanese and say it's harder for them, you know, like it takes time to, you know, get the information back, work on it in Japan, ship it, you know, compared to seven hours with uh, KTM's bases from Mizano, you know, that's it's not saying yeah. they can be home on Sunday night, you know. Um, the thing is, yeah, KTM are really determined, so it's impressive how much new uh, equipment they bring, you know, at, at each race. And, you know, I can only tell the visible stuff, uh, whether, you know, with bikes set up, with components, but there's obviously a lot of other things that go on electronic-wise that I can't see. Even rear suspension linkages are very hard for me to spot because some of the bikes are well covered up in that area. Ducati, you can't see that area, you know. Um, so, yeah, there's a heap, you know, all fork internal stuff, the shock internal, I can't see that. So all of the components, yeah, and I feed that back to you, but you can imagine what else is going on, you know. Yeah. Hey, hey, Simon, what about the one rider that I really want to see go super well, but he, he feels like a bit of an enigma, Jack Miller. What do you make yeah. of Jack Miller? Um, well, I mean, without exaggeration, the whole paddock loves Jack. You know, he's got such a cool attitude, treats everyone. He doesn't act like a star at all. You know, he's like a snob before. He's always cool. Um friendly I, I i love him you know and yes we all are worried about the same we want him to have the results so he keeps that job you know and he has got speed as just it doesn't quite well this year it hasn't quite what, what's the word um added up to the results that he can do like uh I'm just trying to think. America, you know, Austin, that was a classic example. He was fast all weekend, but he also, yeah, it did just, you know, some of the times he's been let down, uh, I would say more than half, by components, you know, on his bike, you know, and, um, you know, from the technical thing to a black ground thing to, you know, but the ones that it hasn't been let down, that still Jack has missed some, you know, and I think that is the, yeah, that's the worrying thing. Yeah, so I, I really hope he, he um, you know what I mean, ne- he's got next year, and I hope he does enough between now and the end of next year to keep that job. The old uh, the old teammate scenario there is 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 so tough, right? I mean, you you... Yeah, you know, number one, you've really got to try and beat your teammate. That's where it stands. And, and uh, the the rise of Pico um, has yeah. put so much pressure on. I mean, watching him, I mean, just tell us what you see. I mean, I, we watched him on the weekend, unfortunately, fall off on that um, that hard front tyre, which you and I spoke about in detail a little bit yesterday. Um, but yeah. just that the rise of Pico Bagnaia in that on that Ducati has has been mesmerising. He, he's a real talent, isn't he? And the factory are very excited about him, you know, because he can do, um, like I was explaining before, you know, he's one of those young guys that can 
get something more, adapt himself and get something more out of what he's got. And, um, I mean, every manufacturer wants a guy like that on the bike, you know, on their bike, making it look better than even it is, you know. So, or ride around problems, uh, find ways to ride around or use setups that other people can't. Um, he's one of those. He's, he's magic and he's lovable. He's a really good fella. Um, the thing is, uh, he was, I think he's pretty shy and he didn't show that all the way through Moto 2, meaning show his personality all the way through Moto 2 in his first year in Moto GP. And now with a bit of confidence and stuff, you see the real Beko come out and it is the real one he's showing. Um, and, uh, he's real, real good fella. A lot, lot to him, you know? Um, so yeah, superstar. The, the danger again for Jack being beside him is also guys like Jorge Martin, you know, on yeah. on factory equipment, um, you know, sometimes uh, Giant Sarko. But the young guys, Jorge Martin, I shouldn't be, I should be more fair to Giant Sarko when I say sometimes first half of this year, Giant was fantastic, um, but guys like Jorge Martin are so young in their rookie year, uh, mm. you know. And he's been amazing. He's super fast. Like with another year's experience, you'd pick that he's going to be a real danger for Jack. You know, Jack's job. So, and then they've got more guys like Bastianini. Um, mm. uh, then a new guy coming in next year, uh, Bezzecchi. He's a little another Italian star, and an Italian manufacturer's going to want ultimately Italian boys riding their bikes. You know, uh, it's just how it is the Italian guys making the decision so yeah anyway uh, in fact the Ducati factory I think are in a real good place their bike is great and they've got a bunch of talent coming through Hey, hey, Simon. You mentioned a lot of young, a lot of young riders come through, and we we lost a young rider in one of the moto classes this year. And and Murph, Murph raised a really interesting question uh, on one of our shows. He talked about the fact that you know how young should they should should a lot of young riders be allowed? Are the fields too big? Where do you stand on this these these huge grids and a lot of young young boys out there? Yeah, I I um was a bit hesitant to get involved in that debate debate because okay. um i said to my no no i mean i'll honestly say what i think and uh but the problem is i haven't ridden those classes you know i started uh not so much later but uh, just riding around on proddy bikes at 15 you know uh when i went from motocross to road um it wasn't rammed uh meaning the grid was spread out you know time-wise it was guys from you know, fast to me wobbling around, you know, middle to two-thirds later down and spread out. So by the time I was older, or faster, I was older, and, you know, I haven't experienced what these young guys are doing, so I can't give advice on what I think should happen in there. And I've never worked in a team that is racing in those uh, small classes, so I hesitate to say, oh, I think you should do this, because... It's, you know, I'd rather listen to the guys that are actually riding in there and working in there, you know. And um, one other thing is, yes, I agree about the age riding the big tracks because the big tracks are fast. And if you know, um, I know for sure because I was the same that at a certain age you don't know what danger you're putting yourself in, and you don't really care, you know. So to make it a little bit older, I think it was a good move. I just don't think it's going to stop the danger. It'll only stop. It'll only make 
it's more likely that the rider knows what he's risking, you know. Um, I think the problem is uh, we all want closer racing, you know, and the racing has got closer, and with that comes danger that you can't get rid of in motorcycle racing is you fall off and someone runs you over, you know. And the closer it all is, the more chance, you know, of that. And I don't know how to fix it without, you know, making the racing worse. That's amazing. Yeah, hey, uh, mate, um, huge insights in, uh, into what's going over, on over there. We um, we genuinely uh, love love the show that you guys put on, love listening to you doing doing your job. Uh, MotoGP is, is, is just staggering to watch. I mean, it is just, it's chaotic out there, not knowing uh, from weekend to weekend, you know, what's going to happen in, in some of the racing, the, how close the fields are. It's just staggering. So long may it continue. <laughs> Dawn are doing a great job, aren't they? So um, uh, let's hope that, yeah. uh, that that continues to be the case. Hey, great to talk to you guys, and thanks for letting me run with it. I was caffeined up. I've been out polishing my car. Uh, this morning early before breakfast. Oh, your new car! We, and, uh, we didn't talk about your new car. Uh, what's, oh my what's, goodness! Okay, what's the car? What's the car? Oh, I forgot. Uh, it, it's a Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio, which is a basically yeah. is a kind of like an M3 uh, yeah. Italian version of that, but with a Ferrari engine in it, and it's like <laughs> 510 horsepower standard. What color? What it's, color? It's, the color's key. The color. Oh, you is should key. see the color. The colour is beautiful. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a it's a real kind of. It's called Montreal Green. I, I had to ask the dealer after I bought it what it was called, but because someone was asking, but it's like a metallic, really bright kind of green. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I kind of. I'll be honest. I don't. I'm not. I didn't buy it for the colour. It's the handling. It's unbelievable, like a go kart. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. It, just one giggle for you. Um, I've always been motorcycles, of course. You know, my my life is motorcycles. Um, and I've always told my boy, who is car crazy, sorry, sorry, uh, Murph, but I've told him the truth in that four wheels are fantastic if you don't have the talent for two. <laughs> and uh, and as I'm getting good. older, I realized that if I if I keep on riding on track and track days and trying to drag them there, they're, they're not joining me. So I'm joining them. My wife is crazy on cars, my daughter and my son. So I've joined them. Oh, mate, that, that is, that's the best story I've heard in that's a long so time. Good. And I love a man that keeps yeah. his car clean. Simon Crafer, thanks so much for joining mate, us. Thank you so much, bud. Uh, great to talk to you. There Bye you for now.